Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to another Modernizer Die CFML News Edition. So today, November 12th, I have Brad Wood with me today. What's up? It is, in fact, November 12th all day today from what I hear. Yep. So uh, hopefully if you guys got uh, some time off yesterday to enjoy Veterans Day and thank a few veterans. Uh, my kids were in the parade. Mm-hmm. They had lots of fun. But uh, back to work Ooh, today. Nice. So, cool. so probably the biggest news of the week is uh, something from Adobe. You want to tell us about it, Brad? Uh, biggest news of the week from Adobe. That is, in fact, the 2020 pre-release has been announced. So... There's been uh, some uh, a post over on the Adobe forum and some tweets. And basically, if you want to be part of the Adobe Cold Fusion 2020 uh, pre-release testing, they have a SurveyMonkey survey you can go and fill out, ask you some questions about uh, like your team size, what kind of features you're interested in testing, what operating systems um, you'll test on. And you can basically sign up to be a part of the pre-release. So I've already filled it out, and I'm looking forward to uh, testing out the 2020 features. Cool. Now, um, obviously, 2020 is going to be released sometime next year. So, from in the history, <laughs> they usually have um, two or three sort of uh, releases, right? So, we're probably uh, got a few. They usually of them will have a series of. They don't really label them like alphas or betas. I wish they would. Um, it's actually really annoying, to be honest, um, because they have uh, like 20, I mean, they did 2018. It was 2018.0.0. Um, and then they released like 2018.0.1. Then that was like the pre-release version. And then when the final version came out, they went back to 2018.0.0, but like a different build number. And I was like, oh, please, one version ever. Um, so uh, what I usually do is I stick them on ForgeBox for CommandBox users, and um, and I'll just label them. I'll, I'll change up what Adobe does because I don't do it right. And I'll make it be like dash alpha.1, dash alpha.2. Because um, otherwise, you end up with multiple versions of 2018.0.1 that, that aren't the same thing. Um, but yeah, uh, that's a long answer to your short question, which is the, they'll have several kind of iterations where, you know, people will submit bugs in the, uh, in the alpha and then they'll come out with a, a, a new version. And usually in the past they'll do, and I don't quite understand the difference between they'll do kind of like a, a, a private pre-release and, and a public pre-release. So maybe they've already been doing the private pre-release and this is the public version. I'm not sure how long it's been going on. Um, but I'm excited to, uh, to take a look at it, especially the uh, the OSGI and modularization uh, features that should be part of it. Yeah, and obviously um, these pre-releases, you're, you're restricted on what we can say. So if you're in the pre-release, then uh, um, you can talk about that to other people in the pre-release. But um, if you guys want to find out what's going on, you really got to keep in the pre-release. So sign up. There's a, usually a forum there where you can discuss different things. There's a bug tracker for stuff, and they try and fix things as they go. It's a pretty cool experience. So, uh, you know, you can do as little or as much as you need to. But um, if, you, if you're if you kind of curious, I definitely say go sign up. Um, so we have the links there in the show notes. So uh, definitely check it out. Um, keep up on the the edge and i mean they need testing too so that's another thing you know you're not just going to find out what's new or whatever find stuff help fix stuff so that way when it does come out it's you know a little more polished you know they need our help um especially you know framework 
framework administrators and stuff, we know we have to get on top of it to make sure all our products work when it comes out. That's usually a big task is trying to get all those little things fixed. So, Yeah, there's two kinds of testing, I think. There's, you know, the new features they document that people need to go through and make sure they work. And then there's just the regression testing, you know, run it against as, as much existing code as you can. Um, you know, cold box frameworks, framework one, framework CF wheels, all the existing stuff that's out there. Um, you know, run it against it and make sure they haven't broken anything because it's bad for everybody when the release makes it live and then people are like, oh, it broke, you know, this framework and it turns out nobody tested it. So this is your yeah. chance to do that. Yep. And just another side note. So since Brad said he puts them up on Forgebox, uh, that's going to be a secret link you won't be able to just uh, search for it and find it and pull it down if you're not in the if you're not in the pre-release program so he'll probably post that um yes the pre-release i hide group. them and i only let you know if you're in the pre-release how to install them but it yeah. makes it way easier to uh to test their uh their alpha installations yep for sure so very cool so we also have um some new releases uh some of them by the Autist team so we have quick 2.4.0 was released this last week so eric peterson um he was on the podcast last week with me we we're busy uh, making some progress in the evenings on our on site and um so he's got a few things there so this can be custom settings uh, setters when hydrating from the database um, query scopes can now return any value uh, including a, a builder instance or nothing uh, better error messages for not loaded entities, which is always big, right? We always want useful error messages. So that's a, a big plus for quick over uh, normal ORM. Um, and then, yeah, they've got some a couple of fixes there for correcting mementos, etc. So uh, if you go to Autos Books uh, and look, click on quick, you can see the What's New section there. Um, and it's available on Forgebox as well. But um, we've also done an update to the Lucy Redis extension 1.4.0. So now that one's been a uh, well tested by a lot of people out there lately. So we had to go make some compatibility updates for Lucy. Um, and it is a minor release, but it does have uh, quite a few little updates. Um, yeah, there were some, some changes in how Lucy treated the, uh, the default, um, settings for cash provider, uh, cash providers and, uh, uh, one of the 5.3 releases, I believe. Um, so it used to be if your uh, if your like CF config definitions didn't have all the default values, uh, some of those would get pulled in, but that stopped happening at some point. So we had to add some additional checks. But Luis went quite crazy with the uh, Java streams and did a whole bunch of uh, performance updates while he was in there. So um, looking forward to uh, the Lucy Redis extension release for anybody that's uh, that's using that. Yep. So that's available on AutoSolutions.com's blog. Um, so that's version 1.4.0. So definitely go check that out. Um, and then on a uh, cray cray run, Luis and uh, the, the other... you got to say it right. <laughs> you you got to you got to commit to it. Sorry, I'll just let you do that then. So uh, <laughs> Forgebox. You give me 4. like you give me like a like a, a signal, like a wink or something, and I'll do it. <laughs> cray cray. But uh, Forgebox 4.8.0 was released. So. Um, Obviously, we have the Forgebox.io website, which is basically the community edition, but these changes also affect the enterprise edition for those of you who are running Forgebox Enterprise. But there's a lot of great fixes and some additions to to that. So I know that Brad's been waiting on a couple of uh, bugs there. So they're fixed at last, Brad. What exactly is Forgebox Enterprise, Gavin? Uh, well, that's basically <laughs> a way for you to have your own personal private Forgebox. So um, if you want to set up for your organization so you can manage the users and have it locked down so it's it's just you, 
this uh, Enterprise Edition is basically your very own copy of ForgeBot. So, Does that mean you'll come out to you. people's office and you'll publish the packages for them? Like you'll sit in front of the computer and you'll publish their packages? No, that's um, <laughs> definitely not the case. Sorry. Because that would be a value add worth paying for. Uh, well, no, you're right. Uh, the new version of ForgeBox has a has a handful of little fixes and things. Um, uh, one of the newest versions of Lucy uh, uh, quit working with extension URLs that had like a space in them. Um, and so we had to push out some stuff for them. There's also just some little UI fixes. Um that have been floating around that I was like, let's get these pushed out. Um, so ForgeBox thinks it's all fancy now. It's caught up with the command box version, 4.8. <laughs> Can somebody say copycat? <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. So anyway, so if you're using ForgeBox.io, you might see a couple of new additions in there, and you can find out more about what was done in that blog post on autosolutions.com. And if you're watching live, Brad might even paste it for you. Already did, man. Oh, you're too fast for me. So, um, another release um, this time, but basically CF Camp has got their video package available. So, the recordings of all the CF Camp sessions are available up on videos.2019.cfcamp.org. Uh, and if you were an attendee, you should get an email with a personal link, which is included for free. And if you did not go, but you'd still like to watch them, there's a small fee, I believe it's $90, and then you can purchase all 28 videos. So three bucks a video is a pretty good deal, or 320 But uh, so... It's $80. No, I think that was actually dollars. I went to the Vimeo site, and uh, it was is showing it? American dollars, I believe. Oh, interesting. I I'm believe. just going off of... Uh, I got an email this morning about it um, mm -hmm. as a, an attendee of CF Camp, and it said that... Uh, I'm trying to find it now. Um, it oh. said it would show up in the shopping cart as 80 euros and I was to ignore the, the cost because the discount code they gave me would take it down to to zero. Mm. Well, it says $90. Oh, no, that wasn't an email. I guess that was in Slack. I saw the message come across several places because I think Mishi also posted about it in the events channel. Okay. Okay, I don't know where I saw it now. Yeah, I and mean, when I went to the <laughs> I site... I can't find it anywhere! It shows dollars. I guess we'll have to Check it out. So it looks like dollars for me, but 80 euros, $90, probably about right. Maybe. So, yeah. Yep. If you're an attendee, though, you get it for free, which is what's pretty cool. Um, yep. I know a lot of work goes into uh, recording the sessions uh, and recording, not just, you know, with a camera slapped up there, but actually capturing the, you know, the direct screen um, output of the presenter's laptops. And if anyone hasn't ever done a conference before, that's a lot more work than you would think it would be. Yep, um, I can test so, that. <laughs> yeah, Gavin helps us record the sessions for another box, and it's a crap ton of work. Um, so huge props to uh, to to Mission Nat for getting that done with his uh, his CF Camp team because that's that's pretty cool. Because you know you go to the conference and you basically miss half the conference because you can only go to one uh, talk at a time unless you've cloned yourself. So this kind of gives you the rest of the conference experience, and it's a lot of work for them to do that. So we appreciate that. Yep, and even if you did attend the session, sometimes you need to watch it again so you can let it sink in a little more and uh, maybe take real notes or, you know, maybe you were just not quite with it when you were there because your brain was fried from all the great info. Watch it at half speed because I talk so fast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you have to watch it at half speed to see my slides go very slowly across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so go check those out. Um, next, we also have um, a notification about a the Seattle Call Fusion user group meeting. So it's 
actually tomorrow at 6 p.m. at the WeWork mm. in Bellevue, Washington, I believe. So um, they have an online Zoom meeting as well. So if you want to do that, online will start about 6.30. Um, so if you go to www.seattlecfug.org, you can get more information on that. And we have a link here for the, the meetup group. So if you go to meetup.com, seattle-cofusion-user-group, uh, you can find them there. And it's really nice that they'll do online versions as well. So very cool. And then nice. next we have uh, Charlie's online Cofusion meetup. Love seeing the uh, the content getting brought back around to the online meetup. It was pretty nice to see some activity over there. Yeah, uh, we have. Yeah, Web Acceleration to the Rescue with Bruno Zuge. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Uh, looks to be talking about caching um, or caching, as you Kiwis say it. <laughs> yep. Um, it looks like uh, he's talking about. This one. I like it. Yeah, he's talking about Varnish Cache. So I know oh, with WordPress, okay. they use Varnish a lot. Uh, that's how they make yeah, it yeah. usable with PHP being a, you know, a non session system and everything else. Varnish is. The, mm-hmm. the glue that makes everything work for them. And so uh, I hear varnish. All I can think of is just like getting high sniffing it or something. I don't know. It's just <laughs> not a name I would have gone with, but maybe they have a reason for it. Yeah, I'm not sure. But um, so it's kind of interesting. I've never actually heard anyone talk about varnish with uh, regards to cold fusion, but he says whether you're using it on Windows or Linux, Apache, IIS or whatever, varnish can help. So, I mean, it's apparently super performant. So uh, it'd be kind of good to watch. So that's November the 14th, so Thursday, and that's uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So again, that's one of those late times. Uh, and the meetup group is meetup.com slash meetup. And then last well, week, right. if you missed Dave well, six, Ferguson. 6 Eastern is still, what, it's, well, it's 5 Central, 3 Pacific, right? Yep, but usually they have them at 12 Pacific. Uh, sorry, 12 Eastern. Oh, they the do times. like a lunch thing. Well, yeah, so they do lunch Eastern or early, but uh, some of the <laughs> some of the different people have different times. So the last one would be well, the good thing is I think late. Charlie records all of them. Um, yeah, in fact, I believe uh, that he has the recording of the online meetup that we just got done, which is uh, Dave Ferguson uh, titled "Sequel." I learned enough to break everything. So yep, that was a recent online meetup that the recording is available now. I believe. Yep, that was last week. So yeah, if you uh, if you missed it, you can always uh, check those out. Um, so Charlie has them all available there. So very nice. cool. So with that said, that's all of our uh, current news and events. But we have conferences coming up. So conferences uh, into the box Latino America Latam uh, is Latam. going on. I had I had never heard of Latam before. I I guess it's a thing that everybody from Latino America knows what it is, but L-A-T-A-M, Latam. Yep, we're just, we're not cool enough, Brad. But no, uh, we're not cool enough. So December 4th in uh, San Salvador, El Salvador, just a one-track, one-day conference, but presented all in Spanish. Um, we have all the oldest speakers going to be there. So we have Luis Mahano, Edgardo Cabreras, Jorge Reyes, Cabezas. John Clausen. Oh, basis, sorry. Means head. Yeah, um, you know me, I can't pronounce anything. Esmeralda Acevedo. You got his first name right there. That's what counts. Uh, it took me long enough. <laughs> <laughs> I got it all wrong for like a whole conference before I figured it out. I keep thinking Eduardo, but nope, it's a G. But uh, Stephanie uh, Manji, uh, Javier Quintero. No. Here yeah, I, go. I got it right Quintero. this time. 
Yeah, and then, uh, Luis Vega. So lots of great content. Um, so if you go to latam.intothebox.org, you can see that. Use Google Translate if you're like me and can't, can't understand it. <laughs> um, but tickets are available on uh, Eventbrite. A nice price as well. They're, um, you know, a good price. One-day conference, and uh, we're really excited. I think excited there's some pretty good discounts if you're a student as well. Yep, and then uh, I'm actually recording a few uh, few interviews with some of the speakers and whatnot, and we'll be releasing that. I think we might actually have a new edition of our podcast, which might be called the Conference Edition, because uh, Soapbox is sort of more evergreen content. The news is, you know, meant to be weekly, so we thought we might throw out a, a Conference Edition, which we just have a whole bunch of conference speaker interviews and, and stuff, so we might have another podcast for you guys to subscribe to, too, soon. Evergreen. Yep, that's the plan. So, so that's into the box, Latam. And then uh, next, we've got those in India. We have a conference for you too. Yep, CF Summit India. They're in Bangalore, which I found out last week is the same as Bangalore. <laughs> learned my uh, learned my uh, Indian history last week. So, of course, this is the uh, Cold Fusion India Summit. I, I believe it's held at the um adobe cold fusion headquarters which is pretty sweet Luis was just out there uh, a few weeks ago when he did his training um and so uh i i forget exactly how many people they they're looking to have but i, I swear it's like two or three hundred so they have a lot of people that show up um to the uh india version of uh cf summit so that's pretty cool and i if believe you, it's free over there too it's complimentary uh yeah i mean they make it pretty uh pretty easy to get to um Maybe that's why there's so many people, but I think it's awesome. I'm at it. You, you don't hear a lot from the some of the Cold Fusion developers that are over there in India, so I'm I'm really glad they have a good turnout there at the uh, the CF Summit. So if you know anybody that's uh, that's in India and then Bangalore area that does Cold Fusion, um, has a team of developers, make sure that they're aware of that because um, it's right there in their backyard. Yep, we have a tweet a little later. Um, Yogesh Mathur is actually um, going. He, he tweets about uh, how he enjoyed the the workshop with Luis, and he's excited about the the conference. Is wondering who else is going. So um, we'll we'll mention that a little later. But if you want to reach out to him and maybe have a little meetup, and it'll be good to meet some other developers over there. So very cool. And then next on the list, into the box twenty twenty. So cray, cray. last. Oh, wait, sorry, did I miss the wrong signal? <laughs> yeah, so last week we actually uh, announced that we're using uh, Paper Call for this year's um, mm -hmm. speaker, Call for Speaker. So if you guys are interested in speaking, it's available now. Um, the link will be in the show notes, but it's www.papercall.io slash ITB2020. So if you guys want to go and uh, sign yourself up, Yep, so that's open. So speaker submissions, start them rolling in, folks. Um, yep. You know, obviously we focus on on the box products to a degree, but that is by no means the extent of our content. So um, our rule of thumb is uh, needs to be directly applicable to Cold Fusion developers. So that can include tooling, that can include deployment, that can include cloud. Um, you know, we have talks on Nginx, on Couchbase. Um, anything that's uh, immediately useful to Cold Fusion developers is fair game. So submit those topics, and you don't need to have you know a lot of experience presenting. It can be your first time. Uh, it's a pretty uh, a pretty laid back format. So uh, if if your talk sucks, then we'll let you know. But until then, assume we're probably interested, and you should submit it. 
<laughs> yep. And then we'll, we'll help guide you too. You know, uh, we all oh, yeah. started off as our first talk at some point somewhere. Um, and you know, get some practice. I did an online one first, which is great because you can't see the crowd. So you don't have to worry about being nervous, but at the same time, you can't see the crowd. <laughs> so you don't know if they're <laughs> interested or not, but it's mm-hmm. definitely a good way to present. I mean, even presenting yourself, recording it, and you can watch it later. Uh, you know, just get used to, you know, producing. And, uh, and if you want to try a talk out, I'm sure Charlie Earhart would be happy to have you on the online CF meetup. Yep. Good idea. So get but, you uh, all warmed up and prepped friend of the box. Yep. So May 6 to 8 in Houston, Texas, we're going to be in the woodlands at the Hyatt place. So same venue as last year. Um, we're, we had a good turnout last year. We had fun with a happy box and uh, a lot of great things and a lot, we had a lot of attendees. So, um, and the mariachi band, the only co-fusion conference that features a mariachi band every year. And nobody else can claim this, Gavin. No one. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we even did a live podcast that was when we announced this podcast. So it'll be a year. So it'll be pretty interesting to to do our, basically an anniversary of our first podcast there next year. So pretty That's cool. right. Yeah, the first podcast was uh, Into the Box last year. Yep. It's flying by. We made it past seven episodes, man. Yep, exactly. We're on our <laughs> way. We're on our way. Okay, so let's get into blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So um, we have a little Ben Adele corner again. <laughs> he's been busy, um, but he's been working on um, quite a few different things, but one of them he messed with was the caching per application settings. So I guess mm-hmm. his application CFC has a lot of things going on. Um, you know, so he's talked about setting up mappings, custom path, data sources, SMTP servers, all this stuff. Um, and basically setting up all the routes inside of, uh, for framework one, all in the pseudo constructor for the application CFC. And so he was wondering if caching might speed things up. So long story short, Keep it simple. It doesn't really make that much of a difference. <laughs> so, but he went through a whole experiment, sort of trying to figure out if that would be worthwhile or not. So, if you guys are curious, you know, it's a good read. Ben always, uh, you know, likes to think things through out, out, basically out in public, which is nice. I like that. You know, you get to see his thought process and see. But, um, yeah. So it's a good article there. Um, I like the way that yeah. he actually, you know, sort of brings out some of his little thought processes into the public eye, you know, a lot of the cool stuff he's doing with Vision, which is a really successful company that he started there. Um, and it's pretty cool to see. So, yeah, we also have another one from Ben uh, called confusion over this dot mappings and expand path, not working in Lucy. Um, and I think a ticket uh, in the Lucy bug tracker came out of this. Um, but basically he spent about three hours trying to figure out why some of his uh, expand path, uh, calls weren't working as he ex- expected based on the, the stop mappings he had in his application.cfc. And so uh, Ben kind of goes through his trial and error there. Um, and it turned out that whether or not the directory existed on disk changed how expand path uh, behaved. So as part of that logic, it's it's asking, is, is the directory actually there? And if not, it kind of changes the behavior. So um, yeah. he has that documented in that blog post. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I guess... You wouldn't think that it had file IO in there, but something to be considered of, I guess, is yeah, if you're hitting the, the file system, it's obviously going to be a little slower too. So something to be aware of there. Yeah, um, the the logic behind expand path I know is is quite convoluted. There's a lot of weird little 
edge cases that it accounts for. Um, in the past, when I've put in tickets for it, you know, uh, Misha, the lead developer of Lucy, will tell me, oh, well, every time we change it, we're always going to break something because everybody, you know, depends on this little weird behavior that it does in this one scenario. And if you change that, then this guy over here, his code won't work right. So I know it's, uh, it's a pretty complicated um, chunk of logic there. Cool, cool. Um, so we also had the announcement from Rashif about the you know the pre-release. So we put that in the the blog post too, just in case you guys missed it. Um, so you can read a little mm -hmm. more about that. And then this is where the the bin corner that I was interested in. So we had a couple more uh, query of query articles. So we started a little mm, love uh, us some query queries, good stuff. Yep. So <laughs> he basically went through and um, compared uh, query query queries and array functions. And so he he called it a superficial performance comparison uh, because obviously aren't they all? Yeah, well that's that's his point. So basically, he's running through you know thousands of records and doing it you know lots of times and then comparing. And long story short, uh, queries of queries are still very fast for most cases. And what he was doing, the arrays were faster because it wasn't having to you know pass SQL and this and that, but um, it was faster. It was basically, uh, you know, it was twice as fast or two times faster than the, the query of queries, but that was only in his limited work case. And again, I think it was, you know, 70 milliseconds versus 25 milliseconds for thousands and thousands of rows or something like that. So yes, there's a, bad. And it's a multiplier, but at the same point, it's so low, like it's not even, I mean, round trips matter more than that, you know, for for communication and stuff. So but yeah, that'll probably be the fastest thing your page does. I think one of the biggest takeaways is you always, I mean, you always need to measure the performance of your app, right? Um, you know, a, a test inside of a CF loop or whatever is always interesting, but um, you know, worry, worry most about how your actual application is performing. I know under, under real load, I've, you know, I've seen CF query calls that were fast and ones that were slow and sometimes dependent on, on how the where clause was built inside of it. So there's a lot of factors that can, that can yep. play into that. And I'm indexes. definitely in favor of what, what's that? Oh. said in indexes, <laughs> make sure you put indexes on the right table. I had this well, issue yeah, where... Well, indexes don't exist in query queries, though. That's... Well, I know, but just in general, the queries themselves. I had a, mm -hmm. you know, talk about feeling stupid. I had a, a bug in one of my SQL applications where I right-click, edit a table on my, my tool, and when I save it, the list would jump. And so when it jumped, I would jump up the list. And so next time I went to check to see if my indexes were on this table, it was in a different table because I had some similarly named tables for this multi-tenant app. And so I kept checking the wrong table. And so I was wondering why this thing was so slow. And it's just because I didn't have indexes on the right one because the UI would jump the list and I would click on the next table on the list, which would actually be a table 20 rows higher than I thought it was. So, yeah. Tricky, tricky. You know, we need to get Ben turned on too. CB streams. Ah. Just, I'm just reading through his, his blog post. He's got the, you know, the query query version and he has no bunch of chained member functions, map filter sort. We need to get Ben turned on to streams because then he can parallel parallelize these suckers. I bet you will definitely be faster in query queries then. Yep. So Ben should read Matt Gifford's series on streams and then test some of that out himself. <laughs> cray cray. But um, Ben had another right. query query ones, replacing cold fusion query query in a join and left joins with array functions. So I actually did this for a client just mm -hmm. recently because they had some really big um, some joins they were doing. But the joins were uh, 
the fields they needed were huge. So the big text fields and, you know, the query wasn't much, wasn't that much faster um, when you took those fields out. But when we had a big number and just the where clauses and the grouping, like it made a significant difference, especially when, you know, when you're hitting 200,000 records and you bring back these text files. So we just did an array, you know, array function to basically bring those back in after all the, the sorting and it did make a big jump. So, um, so this one here, he's basically using the array arrays to, to fix some of that, that there. So inner joins, left joins. It's, it's interesting that Ben had this article because, uh, the topic of doing a left adder join and query queries had actually just come up on the CFML Slack, uh, this week as well. So that's kind of been a long standing missing feature, if you will, is being able to do a left adder join and query query. So it's interesting to see it come up. Um, I'd also pointed out, uh, if you wanted to, uh, do a left adder join, there is a CB Commons module for Coldbox that's been around forever, um, and it has a query utility. Um, ironically, many of the functions inside that little query utility uh, today really are, are, are superseded by the built-in functionality of CFML. But one of the sort of useful ones it has in there is a left adder join method that sort of just kind of does a manual left adder join. Um, so anyway, I, I drugged that back out of the history books just recently in, in Slack, and then I saw that Ben was also blogging about it yeah i wonder if that triggered that one there so very cool so uh we saw that you were on twitter as well so i guess there's been a lot of security issues with the xml um passing lately so looked like Pete yeah i mean busy. i used the word uh i used the word recent in my tweet though it's really not incredibly super duper recent um it's one of those interesting things where um uh xml parsing has quote-unquote features uh that are kind of cool, but can also be incredibly dangerous. So it's, it's sort, sort of like, is it really a bug? Is it not? Does it make your code less secure? Yes, potentially it does. Um, and so in XML, you can have uh, these external entities where an XML document can reference some external document uh, that can literally point to an HTTP URL. I think it could even do like FTP. Um, and so what that allows uh, a hacker to do is to build uh, an XML document. And you may think like, well, I'm not using XML. Um, directly, uh, but if you're even uh, allowing users to upload maybe like an Excel uh, spreadsheet that uses the, uh, the XML format behind the scenes, that's all XML parsing. And so, uh, you know, a malicious XML document can have these external entities that can be, you know, downloaded from some remote server that you may not trust. Um, and there's some nasty things you can do inside of those. And the a lot of the XML parsers, they still allow that functionality because, like I said, it's a feature of you know the XML parsing, but it's one that can be abused quite easily. So uh, while a lot of the Java XML parsing engines give you the ability to turn off those features, the the ColdFusion servers, Lucy and Adobe ColdFusion, don't necessarily expose those toggles and switches to you as a, as a CFML developer. So you're kind of stuck with those quote unquote features just being left on. So uh, what what Pete Freitag did is he kind of made a, a, a safe XML parse. It's basically a drop-in replacement for any time you're using XML parse in your code, um, but it, it ignores, it kind of turns off all those sort of dubious or questionable uh, features in XML parsing uh, in such a way that a malicious XML document wouldn't be able to um, do nasty things to your server. So that's hmm. a pretty cool uh, thing. Pete's out there looking out for us and scaring our pants off. Yep, so we linked to the tweet uh, as well as the the Forgebox entry for that too. So that's up on Forgebox, so you can get that easily there. Okay, and then um, we had another one from Charlie. 
Charlie Earhart blogged about how to implement a special hotfix that Adobe may give you to fix a CF update. So this is something that a lot of people don't know, but if you are a licensed uh, user of uh, ColdFusion and there's something that needs to go out quickly and you know it's urgent, um, they might not have time to get out to a major hotfix release, but they can actually give you like a hotfix for you to be able to update yourself. And I know this happens for, um, for several things, and so they'll actually give it to you, but Charlie said if you don't do it quite right, you could actually cause more problems than it's worth. And so if you do these steps, follow these steps he has, it's a safer way to do the update. And so well, then you have to pay him to come fix it for you. I fail to see the issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Charlie's obviously fixed this for a lot of people who run into these issues. So that's why he shares this information. So uh, you know, if you feel comfortable enough doing it, um, you know, follow these steps and you should be a safe way to update and fix your uh, your update but if not um pay charlie and he'll do it for you so <laughs> but uh yeah so thanks charlie for that and a tweet just came out so michaela light said that the hundredth episode of see if alive is to be released soon so wow. um recorded with nolan um so they had a lucky guy he got the 100th episode dang it Yep, it's just too special. So um, they're they're editing that right now, and it should be released soon. So they made it to 100, Brad. So we gotta keep working. See if Alive made it well. Made it well. Seven. Yeah. If you didn't, you don't get the reference uh, from what Gavin's seen online. Podcast apparently has uh, will statistically never make it past seven episodes. That's kind of where most people peter out. So if you can make it past seven episodes, then you've you've done better than most podcasts. So that's our yep. golden standard. Make it past seven. <laughs> yep exactly we're at 27 now so we're doing okay so Ooh, there you go yep so uh teartech.com slash podcast is where you can see the cf alive podcast and they have a lot of good interviews with a lot of people so um definitely good podcasts uh, if you want to check that out and then uh james moberg uh, had a couple of tweets as well so i guess he tweeted about um a cold fusion bug and this this is from history, but um, they're just talking about bugs, et cetera, that came up as uh, updates come out. And he said that he recorded another cold fusion bug regarding default arguments that negatively impacted us, where remove equals no is identified as the default for CF, file, uh, CF mail param. During a pass update, omitting this argument caused files to be deleted. So now he has to always set it. And he had hashtag oh. fooled me once or fooled hashtag once. Fooled once. So I guess, yeah, so basically, um, yeah, the files are basically being deleted all the time because remove equals no is no longer default. So like with that. CF mail, you can set it to remove equals true, and after the email is sent, uh, the spool's gone and it's sent, the file gets removed automatically, which is nice for cleanup. But if you want to keep that around, you know, maybe you're generating a report that can be, you know, seen mm -hmm. elsewhere, uh, not having that, that param would be a problem. So if only... Adobe Cold Fusion supported the amazing feature that Lucy Server supports that allows you to set default attribute values in your application.cfc for tags across the entire application. If only. Yeah. Yep, because then you don't have to put it on every single tag. Yeah. Or... My favorite my favorite use for that is uh, this.tags.location.addcf token, I believe, or yeah. add token equals false. And then all your CF location tags in your entire application all have add token equal to false with that one line of code. Yeah. But this doesn't help a, Mr. Mr. James Mulberg. Yep, we use a framework that 
handles for you, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't ever write CF location because I use Codebox and I use the relocate method. And yeah, it, exactly. Appropriately defaults that for me, but... Anyway, yep. uh, nice of uh, nice of James to point that out, though. He's always good at catching uh, stuff like that. Yep, and he had another one, too. Um, I guess if you're using XLSX files, which is the XML version of the XLS spreadsheets, um, mm-hmm. I guess when you're using Cold Fusion Spreadsheet, if you have multiple headers with the same name, um, basically they'll override. So the, you know, the columns, if there's two wow, columns wow. named name, uh, Cold Fusion is only going to pull one of them, and so you won't be able to get the second one. So it'll. I'm trying to decide it. if that's actually a bug or not. <laughs> well, it's just a weird occurrence where, yeah, maybe you shouldn't name your your columns the same if you want the data to be accessible. But yeah, I mean, the trick is you can't you can't be sure that a user will never do that. It's not like Excel, you know, forces you to have unique column names. In internally, there's obviously some sort of logic that references them by name and not you know by their original position. Um, but yeah. yeah. This actually reminds me, I have a ticket I need to put in regarding um, XLSX files in Adobe Confusion. What is it? It has absolutely nothing to do with James's tweet. Just reminded me I need to put in this ticket. Um, if, you have, if you have a really large file, uh, an application of our clients and users will go upload files sometimes. And every once in a while, they'll somehow generate these files and there'll be like a million empty rows at the end of the file which is all represented in the XML internally. Um, and it just absolutely crashes the poop out of Adobe Cold Fusion. Hmm. Um, it doesn't handle those big files. It's really not, it's, I don't think it's Cold Fusion's bug as so much as it is the POI library behind the scenes that has to parse out XML. But at any rate, um, anyway, I, I need to make a, a note to put that ticket in. <laughs> and whenever I see a reference to Excel, I'm always like, oh, I need to get a, a reprodu- reproducible case for that ticket. Yeah. Rattling around the back of my brain still. A lot of rattling there. Okay. Mm, there's a lot of rattling. So you had another tweet. Man, you're on a roll last week. So uh, uh, You've been stalking me on Twitter? You have all my tweets in here. <laughs> they just keep popping up when I'm doing my filters. Oh, that's right. I think I was uh, I was replying to uh, to Ben Nadell. Yeah, he had a, a little post talking about how null is handled and a, uh, an old you know, trick to get a null value in Cold Fusion is to do Java cast uh, first parameter is null, and just you know, give it a sec- an empty string as the second parameter, and that'll give you a null value. Uh, of course, you know, if you have full null support turned on, null is a keyword, and you can just say null. But the, the default behavior of Confusion without full null support uh, is people will use that Java cast. However, if you're on Lucy server, there's a nice little trick uh, where there's a, a built-in function called null value, which just returns a null. And so if you're doing any, any code in Lucy, it's a little bit less typing just to call that null value function as opposed to doing the Java cast with the, the two parameters passed in. So Yeah, it looks a little neater too. So Yeah, and then, one of those nice little things Lucy does that I should probably put in a ticket for Adobe to match it because it's, it's just darn handy sometimes. Yep, for sure. And so then right after that, we have uh, Ben's blog about safe navigator operator works in comparison expression even when, when now. Um so that was an interesting. Um, basically, the short of this one is is that um, null values aren't a problem in Cold Fusion. It's null references that are problematic. So um, basically, if you set something to null and then try and use it, you have issues. But if you just Java cast null inside of an expression, it'll work. It'll actually evaluate. So you can do Java cast null equals equals Java cast null, and that'll be true. But if you 
say value equals javacast null and try and use that value inside of an expression it'll blow up so um he's talking about how to use the safe navigator operator and and you know discuss that but i thought that was kind of interesting too so yeah and the, the safe navigation operator if anyone is not aware of it i think lucy had it first i forget when they added it and then adobe confusion 2018 added it um, but sometimes if you have structs nested inside of other structs and you have this reference, it's like, you know, adder struct dot inner struct dot yet another inner struct dot key. Uh, but you're not sure if all of the inner structs exist. You find yourself doing this if struct key exists and struct key exists and struct key exists kind of nonsense, which gets really verbose. Um, so what the, the safe navigation operator lets you do is type, you know, adder struct question mark dot inner struct question mark dot yet another inner struct question mark dot. Uh, key. And then instead of getting a, a big, you know, blow up error at runtime, if one of those structs doesn't exist, uh, CFML just stops evaluating once it reaches a null and the entire expression just comes back as null. So that's the safe navigation operator that uh, that Ben was playing with in the blog post. And it really is handy. Um, yeah. A lot of the JVM languages do similar things. Yeah, I like that because I've, I've definitely written code where I've got too many structs. And, and that's why people use is defined, right? Because it just saves him to do all that. So. Yeah, yeah, because it is defined kind of lets you cheat where you can just say, you know, just give it the full variable name and you cram it and it is defined. And if it fails anywhere along the way, it, it kind of um, gives up. But uh, is defined can not always be as performance since it's doing scope hunting internally. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, try to you try to code defensively, you know, and say, well, what if the struct doesn't exist? But when it gets, it gets really verbose sometimes, which is where operators like the, the safe uh, navigation one comes in handy. Yep, I like that. So, and then we had that tweet from Yogesh that I mentioned earlier about CF Summit. So he said, after awesome zero to hero training with Luis Mahano, we're ready for another conference. So, Cold Fusion India Summits 2019 at Adobe Bangalore office on December 7th. Who's going to be there? Let's meet. So, if you want to catch up with Yogesh and his team, um, he's a good guy. He's got a good team of developers and, uh, we do a lot of work with them. Uh, they, they help a lot of the Coldbox products out with some uh, pull requests and everything. And so they're a good bunch of guys. I know they had a lot of fun there. Uh, Luis had fun with that training. So if you guys are going to go, check it out. Maybe you can meet up and uh, get to get to catch up with some other Cold Fusion I'm totally developers. jealous. We've got to find a way for me to get to India, Gavin. I, really I was thinking it would be fun just to crash their party. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, India is like this. It's one of the countries on like list of places I would love to travel to. I, I mean, the food, people, the stuff to see there. Um, I just, I need a good reason to spend all the money to get over there. See if some <laughs> India sounds sponsor like a good me. Hashtag send Brad to India just because he wants to go. <laughs> hey, we've got a conference there. That's a good reason to go. So well, I know. So you know. Well, you're not going to El number- Salvador, so. Tell, uh, no, I'm not. Tell Luis, hey, we, send me over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week with the numbers they have for the Adobe CF Summit. I mean, into the box India. Let's make it happen, Luis. Love me some Indian food. Do it. <laughs> Too funny. Um, <sighs> okay, so last tweet, another one of mine, and you won't quit stalking me on Twitter. Um, I think this so, one's a good one. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, it, it's a frustrating one. I mean, it's good, but it, it represents like months of frustration on my part. Um, but uh, basically the command box, uh, the current alpha sort of snapshot builds uh, 4.9 alpha um, have come a long ways. They, I've got them running right now, fingers crossed, you know, hacky workarounds in place um, on Lucy 5.3, which is 
taken a redonkulous amount of time due to just kind of regression after regression happening in the in the 5.3 branch. I would get one regression fixed and another one would pop up and so I could never uh, start using that. So Lucy 5.3 was sort of a major release. The way Lucy handles it is uh, minor releases are kind of like major releases. It's weird. So they, they break things um, you know, by design. They'll put breaking changes into that. So 5.3 was a big departure from 5.2. New PDF rendering engine, a lot of stuff like that. So um, I finally think I have Lucy 5.3 working in command box, but that's not all. Um, Lucy, uh, not Lucy, Java 11 support is another really big thing that's been missing. People have to run command box CLI on Java 8, which is you know turning into a real pain in the booty because all the, the Linux distributions, which means, you know, like your Travis CI stuff, um, you know, they're all shipping with Java 11 as the default JDK, which makes sense. I mean, Java 8's been out of support for like, a millennia now, right? Um, but I'm still stuck on Lucy 5.2 in the stable version of the command box. So people are all getting held in the past. So Java 11 support finally. Um, and plus, we've also got a new version of Runwar, which is the Java library that powers the servers behind command box. Whenever you start a server, that uses Runwar. Um, and Runwar 4.0 has just a ton of fixes um, and improvements. You're able to dial in a bunch of uh, extra tuning settings and undertow. We've got new versions of undertow. Um, I've updated pretty much every Java library inside of command box, uh, you know, JGit, JLine, um, the JNZ, all the nonsense that, that powers it all. Um, so that's out there. Um, I have, let me link to the tweet here. I've got um, a link to our artifact server where all the, the builds are stored for the 4.9 alpha. Um, and I didn't say this in the tweet, Gavin, but I'll add it here. There's a really good chance, I believe, I'm going to go ahead and bump Command Box 5.0 for this. Um, <laughs> just since it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a really big change. There's nothing particularly breaking about it. Well, actually, there is. The PDF engine um, is breaking. Um, and in another really annoying Lucy regression, there's no way you can revert to a classic PDF from the CLI because regressions. Um, so, uh, I guess there are technically some things that are potentially breaking there about it. Um, but anyway, I had kind of held off on that because we have, uh, the command box four point X series is on the, uh, department of defense, DADDMS. Uh, I don't know, some like software list of approved software, which takes a lot of paperwork to get stuff on. So if you're in, you know, the Navy or department of defense, you can use command box if you're. Uh, department obeys that software list of approved software, but we have clients that use command box and you know, they're going to have to go through all the paperwork again for command box 5.0. Uh, Cause it's all kind of based on the major version, which sort of sucks for them, I guess. Um, so I was like, Oh geez, do I want to bump the major version? Cause I don't want to screw over, you know, government agencies that only have approval for command box 4X and now, you know, 5X is going to be a new major version. Uh, but I think I've, I think we've worked through that with some of our clients and they'll be able to make it work. So probably going to be a 5.0 bump. But what that means is I need a lot of testing on this. So I'm probably going to, I haven't heard anything yet, which either means nobody's tested anything or it's going good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which is the case, I do. <laughs> uh, but I'm, pro I'm probably going to go through at least one release candidate before I release this, just since there's so much potential for stuff to be broken and I want to make sure it's stable. Um, it really makes me nervous because I, I say nervous. It makes me cautious. You know, there's a lot of people that are running production sites in command box. You know, I can't afford to shove something out there that's like completely broken. Um, and there's just a, so many jars that have changed behind the scenes. I'll probably do a whole release candidate, an RC build, 
um, you know, which gives me a chance to kind of fully document, here's everything that's changed, you know, get the docs out there for it. Please look at it, I beg you, please. Um, and then if it looks really stable, um, anything needs to be fixed, I'll go for a stable release. But that's big news for anybody who needs stuff to run on Java 11. That's big news for anybody who wants, you know, newer Lucy 5.3 features from the CLI. Um, so I'm excited, but that's just me. Very cool. So this is a, a little pre-news news for next week. <laughs> pre-news news. For yeah. more information about the 5.0 release <laughs> candidate, hopefully. But very cool. So now we got time for find a job, CFML jobs. So um, most of these jobs are from the Get CFML Jobs website, but there's a couple that we actually saw on Twitter that weren't there. So um, John Joyce on Twitter actually talked about sitting guilds um, they're hiring two developers in London, and he said the plus size is you get uh, side is you get to work with him. So, um, <laughs> so there's a link there to the to the city and guild. What is group. a guild? I always thought that was something in like World of Warcraft. Is, is it like a real thing over there? Yeah, city I'm not sure guilds. exactly the definition, but, <laughs> but so a, yeah, uh, apply careers. Here we go. I'll just throw the link in here. Yeah. So that is in London. UK. UK, yep. But there's a couple of Cold Fusion developer positions there, uh, and that that information is listed there. And we actually have that listed through the CFML Jobs website too. They actually it looks like they they pulled that mm -hmm. in from Indeed, I believe. So there's a uh, as we said, CFML the Get CFML Jobs actually pulls it in from multiple sources. So we'll see there that that's listed there as well. But there was another one from Paul Klinkenberg, or at Frankie looking for a Dutch Lucy Colvision developer to join his team feedback company. So um, we got a link there to the LinkedIn article there. Yep, that's LinkedIn. Yep. Um, so where is, where are they located? It says Dutch. Is this, is this out of Holland? Where's this? Well, at? It says Udrit, Ukrich. CS. Oh, where's that? Ne uh, Netherlands. Is that supposed to be Netherlands? Maybe that's a Dutch spelling of it. Probably. But it is Utrecht, Netherlands. I'm, I'm going to sure. admit that I'm completely clueless and I don't know where that is, but I'm, I'm guessing if you live there, you know who you are yeah. <laughs> and we've linked to it in the description. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah. Very cool. So, Oh yeah. This, this whole descriptions actually appears to be written in Dutch. I like yeah. Dutch because you can try to read it just out loud and it kind of sounds like English. It's weird that way. <laughs> like that phonetically, you know, I don't know. It's just fun. <laughs> I've been through Netherlands once before, you know, and like, it's just the way stuff is spelled it like phonetically, like you can like tell what it's saying, even though it's, you know, clearly a different language. Very cool. So we also have a senior cold fusion developer for information analysis in the United States. Um, United so States. They still use cold fusion over there. Apparently. So <laughs> I guess cold fusion developer is needed as part of a mainframe migration team. So um, sounds like a pretty interesting project there. So mainframe. So wait, uh, are they are they migrating to or from or what's the? Well, I'm not sure. You have, to, you have to click on the link and read more to find out more about. You'll it. have to apply and be hired. Yep. And then we also have. have um, sorry. Oh no! I was just gonna say I've worked at a couple of places that actually used Cold Fusion alongside a mainframe, like you know an AS400 Cobol kind of thing. But kind of makes you wonder if they're yeah. coming to or from. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think most people are going smaller these days, but you never know. So it depends on what your business is. Here we go. Setup configuration of the Cold Fusion environment on Solaris Unix platform. Ooh, 
They're running ColdFusion on Solaris. Yeah. There we go. Work with conversion specialists to develop a template for converting obsolete mainframe modules into modern ColdFusion modules access an Oracle database. So they lost me to Oracle because I hate Oracle. <laughs> an undying passion. But I like the sound of everything else. It actually sounds kind of fun, you know, building some stuff from, from scratch to replace a legacy system and doing it modern. Nice. Sounds very cool. And if you're in the United All States, right. United States, you can <laughs> apply for that. Does it does it does it have a, a location on this guy? Uh, just it just United says States. United States. Yeah. So maybe uh, it doesn't say if it's remote. It just says travel required. Interesting. Well, somewhere, somewhere in the U.S., <laughs> we don't know where. <laughs> yep. Well, this one we know where. This one's in London, United Kingdom. Uh, Cold Fusion developer for the Marcus Donald, Donald people. So they're recruiting for a Cold Fusion developer to join education-based team in central London. Um, and then, so yeah, so if you're interested in that in the area or you're looking to maybe join that area, go check that out there too. Uh, this feels like one of the first times we've had this many job postings that are outside the U.S., yeah, there's usually a couple in India, uh, a couple in Australia too. We have those, but yeah, uh, like I said, I'm trying to trying to filter out more uh, stuff off Twitter and LinkedIn and try and get more information into our list. So if you guys do have job yeah. offers, hit us up. We'll put it out there. You know, we want to share the word and uh, make sure everyone in the community can find a job and find a developer and you know keep everything moving. Okay, I like it. so good good number of job opportunities there. So good luck anyone looking. And now let's move to Forgebox module of the week. So here's one of those little teeny tiny modules that uh, make a huge difference, but probably a small amount of code. So this is uh, the host name header module, and I wrote this one. By Gavin Pekin. <laughs> yep. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, this was just to help us solve a problem. The module determines the server's internal host name, and it just creates a response header for you. So uh, basically... That doesn't sound like much use if you're using CGI variables normally, but if you're, you know, if your app is running in a clustered setup or using Docker swarms or something, your code could be running on lots of different servers. And if there's something weird going on, you want to know which server it's going on on. So basically, this here just spits out a, a, a header for you, x dash server dash hostname. And so whenever you're pulling up your code, you can figure out what host it's actually running on. So a lot of times um, if we're having Docker Swarm and there's something weird going on, this will help us identify which, you know, which server it's on so we can filter our Fusion Reactor or our Portainer logs and figure out what's going on. So again, it's really pretty simple. Um, it just it checks using Java, it checks using CGI variables and all sorts of different things to get that host name. But if you want to use it, just do box install hostname header. And then once that is installed, yeah, you'll get a new header popping up and it works locally as well. You'll have your desktop name popping up or whatnot. But we've already had over 4,000 installs of it. So people are using nice. it. So, but yeah, it's a nice little Nice little helper module there. So remember, that's just you installed it four thousand times, didn't you? You wrote a loop, and you were like, "Look how many installs my package has." <laughs> that's quite possible. I mean, we have a you know a build process on the customer sites we're using on, so they could be building Ooh, it. On it's each gone one. up. It's gone up one more since you took that screenshot in our show notes. Just up to four thousand two hundred and three now. Ooh. You just installed it again, didn't you? Nope. I'm but on to your idea. tricks. Next week, I'll have one with a million installs. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually fun. You can go to foragebox.io and you can sort by most popular, most installs, newest, and updated. 
it's fun just to come in here and click on like newest and like what's the last package you know, that came in. Boom, okay. safe XML parse. We talked about that. See, um, cool. most installs. I bet it's Adobe Cold Fusion. Lucy. No test box. Test box oh. is the most installed. Oh my gosh, two hundred twenty-one thousand. Of course, that's because a lot of the, the 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 build servers. You know how many CI Travis CI builds are out there? Spin up, install test box, run their tests. That's still cool though. Cold box platform is number two. Nice. Getting there. But yeah, pretty cool. So, if you guys Lucy are is fifty-six thousand installs. Of course, and that's that's a little tricky because. Lucy, when you just type server start in command box, it doesn't download anything. It just uses the bundled jars. So the Lucy installs only counts when people say, you know, server start CF engine equals, and they give it a specific version it needs to download. Um, Adobe Cold Fusion Engine, 48,000 installs. That's 48,000 people that started a command box server on an Adobe Cold Fusion version that they didn't already have downloaded. That's oh, wait, awesome. Is that installed? I thought installs were people that actually used it. Downloads would be direct downloads, or is installs like if you have it in cache, does the installs go up? No, if you have it in the artifacts cache, it does not count as an install. Oh. Um, downloads down. So really, the download um, the download statistic in ForgeBox is sort of lame. Uh, in my opinion, but we had that back before we had command box because ForgeBox predates command box. So the only way that it, you tick the download number is if you go to a package on ForgeBox of any kind and you go to the versions tab and you click the little kind of three dot menu um, next to a version. So if I go into Lucy, I can you know pull up the five three four RC um, and uh, oh I don't have a I don't see a link on this one. Um, but anyway, and you can you know and click the download like, like manually download the file, just get the zip file down on your desktop. So that's the only only way the download number increments. Um, typically, anytime you install something through Command Box, that always increments the install number. So installs are really the only thing that that matter in my personal opinion. So, but if someone has it in their cache and they install it, it doesn't trigger the installs. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So it doesn't. should be like. So yeah. So we need to change our terminology or something. Because I think well, we, we th I think Eric thought the installs were something that came out of your cache. No, too, so. no. So if you if you type from command box install cold box and you have nothing in your artifacts cache, it goes out to forge box, it downloads it, and it ticks the install counter. And so I know it's a little confusing because we have downloads versus installs, but really downloads means manual download through the web UI, and install just means downloaded automatically via command box. That's all that means. So then leaving your artifacts in, in place, if you switch over to another project and you type install Coldbox again, um, command box would be like, oh, geez, I have it right here in my local artifacts, and it doesn't increment the install number. So the install number in, in ForgeBox only counts when you installed something for command box and you didn't already have it downloaded and command box reached out to forge box and said, Hey, I need to download this again. That's the only time the install number uh, gets incremented. So like those Adobe cold fusion and Lucy install numbers, you know, that doesn't count all the time. Somebody starts a new server in a new folder using the version of cold fusion. They had downloaded the previous day. That's mm. only, you know, you go in and you've never downloaded this version before and you go out to forge box and you get it. That's one install. That's so we should call means. it CLI downloads or something. <laughs> and we could. I think we wrestle back and forth. I mean, yeah. frankly, I would I would just get rid of downloads because I think I'm honestly surprised there's like five or six thousand manual downloads of like Lucy. I don't know who's doing that and why because it seems kind of weird. Because um, I mean, why wouldn't you just 
Maybe to maybe see we should just combine them and just call them downloads. <laughs> well, so. we could. Uh, well, at the time when we added installs, it was brand new, and we wanted to know the difference. I, frankly, I, I think like the whole download workflow was kind of like a dinosaur at this point. Like, who goes and manually downloads something from ForgeBox unless they're working around some like ridiculous, you know, government lockdown on their machine where they can't use the internet? Um, and a few of those people do exist. But personally, I would just as soon get rid of downloads because installs are all that really matter. I think everything effectively comes through installations. But anyway, yes, interesting. Yeah, interesting differences. Okay, so that's Forgebox for the week. Now let's go to VS Code hints, tips, and tricks of the week. So this week um, we have one of these <laughs> interesting modules. It's a spelling checker for Visual Studio Code. <laughs> so Streetside Software put this out. It's got almost a million installs, almost five stars. So it's basic spell checker that works with like camel case code. And so if you're actually doing naming your variables with English, you know, related words, it'll tell you mm-hmm. if you've misspelled them. And I know that you've uh, you tweeted or talked about it recently where someone, you know, you found a misspelling and then you search your code base for how many times you misspelled it and you find like all these misspellings yeah, everywhere. I, I posted it on LinkedIn, which was actually an accident. I meant to tweet it, but I have LinkedIn in my Hootsuite and I selected it on accident, but it was kind of fun because I got a ton of people who replied on LinkedIn um, and they were all suggesting uh, modules just like this because um, it was a it was a word spelled wrong in my code, and I did an extended find and replace, and I found like you know a bunch of places I had spelled it wrong. It was like, oh geez, that's embarrassing. Yep. So and, uh, this extension I, can help prevent that embarrassment. Yep. So it just kept, catches common spelling errors, you know, keeping the number of false positives low, and that's an important thing too. For you know, you don't want to have a whole bunch of uh, false positives. So, so yep. So you don't that's, want to look like an idiot either. Yeah, which. Is, <laughs> pretty cool so street side software code dash spell dash checker so if you guys want to install that get that running and then uh find out how many times you've misspelled that word (laughs) that's right there's the link okay and then last but not least uh thank you to all our patreon supporters um we have a lot of great patreon supporters and you know we mention them all the time because a lot of them are involved in the community as we mentioned, Yogesh Mathur is on our list too. He's the one that wants to meet up with anyone going to uh, CF Summit in India. Um, and we had uh, some of the speakers recently on um, on the Cold Fusion online meetup as well, like Matt Clemente and everything. And it was fun to meet Eric Hoffman at, uh, in Vegas. He was actually at the Zero to Hero workshop as well. So that was a good time. So a lot of great things going on. But um Let's just thank them all here. So Andrew Davis, Brian White, Kyle Von Stetten, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Tadia Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, John Farrar, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Laxma Tirahadi, Matthew Clemente, Richard Herbert, Samuel Knowlton, Scott Steinbeck, VJ, Yogesh Mithir. We thank you all. You know, if you're cool, you do it all in one breath. Yeah. Uh, so Only wimps have to stop and breathe in the middle. <sighs> I'll stop breathing. <laughs> Brad told me to stop breathing, everybody. <laughs> so, but thank you, everybody. Right. Um, we really appreciate all your support. Um, and those of you who aren't supporting via Patreon, a lot of great packages there if you'd like to do that or, you know, reach out and see how you can help with pull requests and other things because, uh, you know, it's more than just money that helps make make this community work. So. Thank you, everybody, and yeah, we'll see you next week. That's a wrap. Bye.
Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.